I can just show you a little bit how it works. Basically, a cow is hung from the ceiling. You can see here, very little of it left, of course, because all these pipes supply the nutrition to the to the little prawn eggs. You can do one from this way if you want, or I can no, show no, you. I'm you want fine. to see? Yeah, we go. Okay, no more nutrition to the guys. And then finally, we take ours back. The little guy has gone to a to a nice little sleep now. Just pop him out. There we go. And pop him out here. Yeah, you can take that. You want to keep it as a souvenir for your first abortion, eh? You can feel like you did one at least, yeah. Yes, boss. Episode 155 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to head over to the Facebook, the Cult of Matt and Mark, and like us. Or head over to our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And I'd say go out and buy my novel, Nova Byzantium, uh, courtesy of Amazon. But my promos don't seem to be kicking up the... Uh, the buy numbers anymore so uh you know uh i don't know what to say about it at this point i keep shilling but it well i think i think what you good. need to do you gotta throw money at the problem why don't you oh, buy god, promote no. it buy some uh adsense keyword oh ads god on throw money into the com. internet no way Oh, that sounds like uh, sounds like uh, some kind of uh, uh, Amway scheme you're talking about there. Well, Mr. you know, Hansen. I just happen to have a really great deal on on uh, on AdSense packages. Uh, just go to Google.com/slash/AdSense and put in the uh, promo code Cult of Matt and Mark. Is AdSense our off. new uh, sponsor, Mister Hudson? Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> Do we have sponsorship? Uh, no, no, we don't have sponsorship. Oh, all right, never mind. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, we're, we're we're paying our own bills here, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the, Getting the, the podcast the for hosting free. costs alone. Oh, the uh, hosting setting, costs. Uh, I think they're sending you back. What is it? Th- Three dollars a month? No, uh, two fifty. I got a deal. So I mean, uh, you, you should let me know what I if you if I owe you something for that, and I'll uh, PayPal you some money. Oh, you know, Facebook's setting up its own peer to peer money. Uh, Money pipelines, I guess, which sounds scary. But uh, mm-hmm. so, if you have uh, uh, poverty-ridden uh, cousins or uncles out there in need of cash to supply said habits, mm-hmm. then you can easily give them that money via mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, I mean, all it takes is four or five <laughs> bitcoins. That's it, man. That's it. I don't know. They're no, they're not doing Bitcoin, are they? That's not <laughs> Facebook. No idea. Fuck's sake. So any show news this week, Mr. Hudson? Ah, boy, the uh, week passed pretty fast. You know, it's sort of interesting that uh, for uh, Blomkamp, or Bloomkamp, how's that pronounced? Bloomkamp. Is it Bloomkamp? Is he South African? I don't know. Uh, his uh, movie Chappie's gotten bad reviews. Yeah, I did. I'm sort of surprised. Uh, I think it's... I um, think... Hmm. I think he's getting knocked for uh, heavy-handedness with his themes. Hmm. I think it's too much. People were talking about it. I heard that it was sort of like a kid's movie sort of dressed up as a, a violent action movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it, it had, had a, it a, a sweet little robot. T- it was a st- very strange tone. I think somebody said it was sort of like a short circuit with guys' heads blowing off. Oh, really? Which well, actually sort of, well. sort of has me interested in. I was sort of had that thought in the back of my mind as i watched this movie and uh I don't know, i'm actually sort of interested in maybe catching uh 
Chappie on on DVD when it comes. So out. I'm kind of picturing like Wally, but uh, blowing those fat people's heads apart mm-hmm. at the end. Wally's had yeah. enough. Wally too. I know. Back in space. That might be good. It might be a little cathartic, you know, seeing Wally just go ape shit. But, <laughs> uh, I don't have any show news. I'm slowly recovering out of my cold. I think my voice might be, <clears throat> as I say that, it's breaking up. <laughs> as my voice might be slightly better this week. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, the nicer weather's coming, so I think we'll probably see a, 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 a drop off in a exposure to uh, viruses. Oh God, let's hope. Let's hope, man. I'm, I'm praying. So, uh, no show news on my behalf. I, I, I'm, I'm void of rants, unfortunately. Those are usually my show news bits. But uh, uh, so I guess uh, with no further ado, let's get into the movie this week. Our movie this week is uh, what year? 2009, District 9, uh, plot rundown. It's been 28 years since the aliens first made contact, but there was never any attack from the skies nor any profound technological revelation capable of advancing our society. Instead, the aliens were treated as refugees. The government of South Africa set up a makeshift home in District 9 as politicians and world leaders debated how to handle the situation. As the humans began to grow wary of the unwelcome intruders, a private company called Multinational United, MNU, is assigned the task of controlling the aliens. When NMU field operative Vickis Van de Merwe, is that how you pronounce his last name? I, I can't. I can't do what Afrikaner is exposed to biotechnology that causes his DNA to mutate. The tensions between the aliens and the humans intensifies. Ostracized and isolated, Vickis retreats to District 9 in a separate bid to shake his dogged pursuers. A desperate bid, sorry, to shake his dogged pursuers. There you go. A little long-winded, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think this movie goes where other good science fiction um, movies often go. Is they take a great science fiction idea and weave it into a great action movie. Yeah, and that's just Amen. all this movie is. I mean, it's it got it's got a it's got the first oh, forty minutes are just this beautiful sort of study of human interaction, and I guess a sort of a look at apartheid. Uh, yeah. coached in this really neat science fiction world that it sort of spins up, and then the rest of the movie is this great action movie, and that's that. And it's just a, it's a lot of fun, for, especially for two hours. It goes really fast. Uh, yeah, and it does the, uh, I mean, I, I think its themes are obvious to the, uh, even the least worldly among, among us about South Africa's history and apartheid and, uh, segregation and that kind of thing and how this is an obvious, uh, 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 analogy, right? I mean, it's so obvious it's set in a slum in Johannesburg. So, uh, it, it, it definitely, you know, obviously you make the, well, this is what it's like, you know, this is how people have treated each other since time eternal, right? You know, with with intruders or refugees or uh, immigrants, that whole thing. And uh, this is just highlighted in a really neat way that science fiction allows it to be, which is treat, which is completely dehumanizing by definition, uh, the, uh, I guess, the victims of the film, if you will. Right. Yeah, I think it I means it's, it's I think it's sort of a classic uh, sort of storytelling thing that people use. I think one of the good examples is maybe like um, 
Shakespeare, when you wanted to catch, uh, I mean, you wanted to set stories that were, had some topical significance, he'd put them over in Italy. Because you could say whatever oh, you liked about yeah. the Italians because they were fucking crazy. So if you yeah, wanted right. to make a comment on social strata or religious strife uh, or uh, 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 infighting between crime families, you just set it over there. Then everybody's cool with it. You can talk about it openly because it, it doesn't really, uh, on a strict uh, you know, since people don't need to be offended by it, they don't need to take offense that you're calling them out for their faults. Yeah, because it's something right. far away. Right. Yeah. There's no party uh, within the local audience uh, in the case of District Nine Earth who could possibly be offended. Well, by... maybe the Niger- Nigerians, but they're assholes. Right? Yeah. The did Nigerians you know a Nigerian once? And what did he think about Nigeria? No. 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 Well, that's my, uh, that's my, should I tell that story if I told that story? You don't need to tell the story, but was it Nigeria or was it a different country in Africa? No, it was a friend uh, I, I, I had from Kenya. Oh, it was and Kenya. And he was telling me about visiting a cousin who lived in Nigeria. And what was the Kenyan's opinion of Nigeria? Is a never go to Nigeria, my friend. He's a sheet hole. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, if an African's telling me that about Nigeria, I think I'm going to take that as some sound travel advice of course that was 20 years ago maybe it's better there now Uh, no no man there's like boko haram chopping fuckers heads off okay well then maybe not it ain't any better i'll tell you that much (laughs) it ain't looking up skies aren't any brighter so uh yeah they they did they did denigrate the nigerians quite a bit i don't know uh if that was an easy one or not i don't know Mm -hmm. if uh anybody got offended about their depiction especially uh all that voodoo shit, that West African voodoo shit. I thought that, that was uh, I thought that was really interesting. There's just a lot of flavor in this movie. Oh yeah. Which I, I, maybe it comes from being that uh, uh, Bloomkamp is a African. He can sort of uh, give us that flavor. Well, there's something I think the attraction of District Nine, at least in my opinion, <clears throat> is the uh, exotic. I mean, it's it's ugly, but it's an exotic locale, especially for. The typical, I guess, what you would consider Anglosphere market for film, which would be, you know, Britain, America, Canada, you know, sort of the main markets for this type of film, and I guess the world. But it it adds an a zest element to it. It's not like we always. You know, it's like, yes, I know what a dystopia looks like in uh, L.A. Yes, I know. You know, we're always treated to the. American urban landscape when it comes to uh, sci-fi, but seeing it somewhere so strange and different is, uh, I think, adds to its appeal in a way that uh, if it was set maybe somewhere more familiar, wouldn't wouldn't be as as salient of a film. Hmm. I wonder opinion. if I wonder if this was. Um, I, I don't know what the original. I think this is just was a was a sci-fi story written as a film. It wasn't an adaptation from anything as far as I I think it was an expansion of a short film that Bloomkamp had done. Oh, really? I forget the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do any research behind the production of this film, unfortunately. Well, I think uh, what what I had read quickly was that it was uh, Bloomkamp was supposed to do the Halo movie. Really? And then that fell through. And I think the money was still there. And then Peter Jackson was like, Okay, just do whatever film you want to do, and so out of that came District Nine. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
I had forgotten when I watched the film that uh, Peter Jackson had a hand in this and Wingnut Productions. I, I did too. Maybe that's how they they uh, were able to bring in such quality uh, uh, computer generated uh, special effects. And, and why is it been. so much better in this film than it is in all the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films? That's what I want to know. Well, I think they did the classic thing where they um, they stuck with the shaky cam, cam, which I think yeah, I've that heard helps. that I think heard that really helps with believability. If the camera is moving as if somebody's holding it. Uh, for some reason, the brain makes the thing you're looking at look more real. I think it's must be some effect where like a shift tilt lens will make something look small, even if you know it isn't. It's just like something the brain just automatically does, right? Or you, you, you automatically you seen those look. shift tilt photos, right? Yeah, or you, you know that, it's or... you know it's not small, but swear to God, it looks small. It's it's weird. Or your brain is accustomed to seeing handheld film be of just a lower quality in general. Right? Yeah, I mean, so, maybe I don't know. I think it's maybe something deeper, but I'm not sure what that is. Could be. It's um, a good optical trick. It is an optical trick. I think people use it a lot, even so so much that it's sort of hackneyed now. Um, what else could probably do it? I think the thing is this: this benefits from uh, the choice of materials that they largely represent with the computer graphics. In Lord of the Rings, it's uh, they have to produce a lot of like soft well, natural those... shapes but uh in this movie there's a lot of uh sort of hard uh like the carapaces of yeah the, of the like faceted and pixelated uh backgrounds that are that are easy to camouflage um you know i guess cgi effects right well i think it's more of that it's easier to get the surface details of the prawns it's i think it's easier to compute well they're those. hard right they have hard characters yeah, it's sort of like so uh sort of... how uh starship troopers the aliens looked great even though they had a tiny budget in in yeah, yeah. in what like what year was that 98 97 or something and um i think it's that you know who the choice was made to what can we do well not let's do as much as we possibly can they sort of they sort of uh picked a tool uh that was of high quality out of the toolbox and stuck with that yeah, well, it it looked great. I mean, to me, yeah, it looks great. I think District Nine is one of those tantamount achievements in CGI. The lighting that, uh, composition's just incredible. Where they when they mat in the aliens, the CG stuff. I mean, whoever did that, he fucking understood lighting. I don't know how. Yeah, they did the lighting it, it always looks perfect every like, single time. The 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 practical set the actors and all the CG stuff is lit just fucking perfectly. The only time I ever had a problem a little bit with it is maybe the mech stuff. It seemed like they were maybe getting a little out out of their comfort zone. Yeah, well, it's it's a hard one to do. And um, <clears throat> I was watching uh, strangely Oblivion, the Tom Cruise film. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Is that uh, the is that the live die repeat one? No, it's it's like he's him and uh, I guess his wife or something are this team that is sort of, it's hard to describe, but they're sort of cleaning up what's left of Earth because human beings oh, have left it. Oh, that's right. And he's like a clone or something, right? Is that the, is that the shtick? Yeah, that's the deal. But they uh, okay, because somebody sets. spoiled that to me then I never went and saw it. Uh, yeah. But uh, um, I, heard it's, I heard it was pretty good, piece of science fiction. Well, they had these sets I watched some of the making of where it was they, these, I guess, these sky houses, these houses, these modern houses that are kind of their base that's up on top of mountaintops. 
And the set, they used uh, what they call a back screen or something. It's where they project. Uh, they have a screen around the set. But as opposed to green screen, which is digitally imposed, they'll actually physically project a, a picture, a moving picture, onto like a giant screen and the set will be in front of it. It's the way that Stanley Kubrick did uh, uh, the beginning of 2001 with the apes. That, no, that I mean, that's bit. an ancient practical co- in-camera composition effect. Well, the great thing about it is, is it gives you the natural lighting on the actors and the set uh, authentically. It doesn't have to recreate it digitally. And so it, it looked great. But in, in District 9, <clears throat> it's all done with CGI. And it's like you said, the light composition is astounding. I, they must have had some ability to sample shadow and light direction and intensity and color uh, well, you probably just use like right. a put a gray sphere or something on the set before you every shot. Something you can take yeah. values from and the directionality of lights and the colors of those lights because you have to match all that. Yes, you do. So basically, you would have to put a little, like a little sphere wherever you're going to put in a CG composition so you could match the lighting. It's pretty impressive. Well, and that, <clears throat> and as the sphere moves through the frame, that changes. You know, as as you have. Uh, like uh, Christopher, one of the aliens, moved through like a doorway, you know, with a window. Y- y- that has to change. Yeah, they have to go back and edit. Yeah, see, and they probably have, and be quite honest with you, they probably, if somebody's sitting, the problem is like if somebody's talking to a yellow alien and the aliens, the sun's at their back, and you're going to have to project yellow light on your actor. I mean, it's, it's all that stuff you have to take into account. It's just incredible. Yeah, so technically the the film is, uh, I guess, astounding. And especially with its budget and uh, the production design, with the, with the, like, especially the alien ship hovering above the city and the weapons. I thought the weapons were, they're very uh, video gamey. Yeah, they were a lot but, of fun. But they, oh man, each one was different. Each one did something fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, like a shockwave one and. Like a, there's like electric one. There's sort of a gravity gun that gets used, which is pretty. Yeah, neat. there was the pig gun. I don't know if you remember seeing the pig gun. Well, that was, was the gravity like the, gun. Yeah, like from a portal. It was exactly. Or, it was they basically stole that. Hold that portal came after. No portal came before this. I don't remember. I don't Anyways, remember. yeah, I mean, we, and it's the same thing that got used to catch the bullets at the uh, Nigerian time. Yeah, hideout. that was a half life thing, wasn't it? The the. The gravity gun? Uh, yeah, that yeah, that was Half-Life 2, so that was before this movie, yeah. Right, right. <clears throat> so all that stuff was brilliant and uh, a lot of fun. I mean, it's just fun. What's well, a great... Seeing... It's, I mean, the second two-thirds of this movie is an op- awesome action movie. Well, and, and some of the reasons that it's awesome is because by the time you hit the action, the characters are fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And they're authentic. Even the alien, even the alien is is yeah. Christopher. A, I mean, we feel for a, Christopher. We understand Christopher. We I know hell, they it's give crazy. they give him a, they give him a son to take care of, so we can identify with him. And then there's the giant letdown when he's trying to tell his son that no, we're not going home, but this new camp we're going to might be okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's trying to comfort him, and uh, it's it's all very emotional and um, you know desperate. And it's 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 an amazing humanization of a non-human character that I don't think 
maybe but a handful of films has gotten right. Yeah, I mean, you know the, I mean? the remake of Donkey Kong, I mean, of uh, King Kong, that, uh, that yeah. uh, Jackson film. I think that the yeah. character, even though that movie has some serious problems, uh, mostly with the casting of uh, Jack Black, uh, oh, the character, yeah. the the characterization of, of, of King Kong was, was amazing. And maybe that's a little bit of wingnut productions coming into their ability. You know, they focus on the eyes. I mean, they don't make these prawns that weird. They give them two eyes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. They make them expressive with eyebrows and stuff. So, I mean, they're not right. uh, totally abandoning, uh, anthropomorphic, uh, <laughs> features. Yeah. I mean, they do some great stuff like the little, claws that are folded into their abdomen and the, their mandibles right. it's a really nice design well yeah no it's it's and it's uh it's a very uh workable design i mean know? if we're talking and if we're talking about the action the uh the mmu M- mnu multinational united building raid that christopher and uh avicus um right. undertake Right. The opening of that is absolutely awesome when they just blow a hole in the side of the building. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean you have the whole play with uh, uh, with uh, uh, Kubis. Oh yeah, Kubis the villain. Uh huh. And we well, actually, you said that 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 reminds me of talk, something I wanted to talk about, and uh, we can right, go back to the action later. Who is the villain in this movie? Um. Well, there's Vickis's stepfather, or not stepfather, Pete uh, Smith. father-in-law. What's that? Pete Smith. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. The actor or the, the character? The character's name, Smith. Okay, Pete yeah. Smith. Um, because he <clears throat> he's like sold out his son-in-law, right? I mean, he, he's there when they say carve him up on the operating table. Yeah, you know, that's, that's going to be the worst. And, and, but how about all those other people there? That are, are, I mean, I just, I have a hard time believing. I mean, look, we bo- both work for large organizations, and they end up being faceless, sort of a, an entity yeah, yeah. that sort of buckles under its own weight in culture, and people are more cogs than they are, you know, real creative individuals when they work in that system. But I have a hard time imagining uh, when those three guys were sitting around uh, Vicus on that table uh trying to think how they could uh militarize his tissues i just have a hard time outside of like a really weird political structure where you really have a free hand to do whatever you want and your life and your family's life is on the line of you doing nothing but obeying your superiors i don't think anybody would really do anything like that to a person like i just that's it just didn't seem really a uh, just, I mean, corporations are always worried about their legal aspect, and I just, I don't think, I don't see them taking that risk. Well, the e- okay, so even if they were sociopaths that like cutting no, people I up, I just don't see them doing that. It just seemed a little unbelievable to me. I know they're trying to make it, MNU seem like the bad guys, it's sort of an anti-corporate well, you uh, know, it, movie tone. It was interesting because MNU. Is has this facade of a mercenary company, right? I mean, it has. MNU a, has a mercenary arm, right? And the interesting thing about, I guess, South Africa and mercenaries, at least in the past couple of decades, have sort of become synonymous with the idea of a mercenary, and uh, a lot of it stems from an organization that 
that was active in the 90s after uh, apartheid and a lot of dissolution of sort of those apartheid, uh, I I guess, military, state military entities. um, They formed a uh, private mercenary company that I believe was like incorporated out of the UK or some shit, Ireland, Hmm. uh, called Executive Outcomes. I've heard of them. And I watched a, I would call it a fascinating uh, documentary on the History Channel about executive outcomes. And they had, uh, you know, I guess veterans uh, of executive outcomes. And it's it's no longer a corporation. It's uh, It's long since, I think, been reabsorbed into new... Uh, military contractor type of organizations that, you know, can operate in a legal capacity in in some country in order to continue to carry out, you know, their their operations, sort of like Blackwater and mm-hmm. and uh, was it Khaki, you know, a couple of these American based uh, military contractors, <clears throat> but they were like full tilt. Uh, armed, you know, they they provided a complete expeditionary force. They do whatever you wanted, no questions asked, as long as you showed them. Well, it, it was it, it was interesting. Like they have a uh, and you were white a charter. What's that? And you were white. Mm, well, to to be one of these mercenaries, yeah, it was actually it, they were predominantly white, <clears throat> but they were also comprised of of uh, African you know, folks as well. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a complete monolithic. Most of them were white, but you mean black. They were mostly Africans, right? Because they weren't, they, well, they were mostly South African white, uh, soldiers, Mm. but intermixed were also other ethnicities and nationalities and things like that. Mm, So I see anyway, but, uh, they were contracted to, uh, I think I was it their first, uh, operation was like in Angola. Uh, where they were successful, and I forget exactly in what capacity they were operating. And then their second one was they uh, were hired by the government of Sierra Leone to uh, put down a rebellion. And it was a really nasty rebellion, too. I mean, the rebels were, I guess, what you would think of as kind of a classic West African rebel group, uh, kind of Boko Haram. A lot of atrocities. Living in the jungle, sort of a terror type campaign. Terrorizing villages in order to, you know, harvest child soldiers and, mm-hmm. you know, logistically and that kind of thing. And, you know, they went in there with a, a, a fairly small force and actually were able to, good, bad, and different, quell the Civil War fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the whole Rwanda genocide was going on, Kofi Annan had actually uh, uh, entertained the idea of hiring them to put down the Rwandan genocide. <clears throat> and uh, they were completely willing to do it, which is the crazy thing. And so it, it, it puts mercenaries in sort of an interesting moral light because I think prevailing attitudes towards mercenaries are absolute degenerates and evils, you know, uh, soldiers of fortune and uh, murderers, and you know what I mean. It's it's sort of uh, stateless militaries, or I think they go against the propaganda of how we like to think of a soldier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, that's why I think the portrayal. I mean, maybe in this movie, I mean, God, were there mercenaries that acted like Kubis? In the apartheid oh, sure. era, 
well, they weren't mercenaries. They were they were state uh, military entities. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't it, hired it, mercenaries. It, it's but. almost too bad that Blue Camp. It almost looks like they pulled their punch with this MNU business. I think it would have been better if instead of MNU, the actor in this movie was just the South African government. It doesn't. It doesn't oh, really make yeah. sense on a lot of levels that it's MNU all the way down. You know what I, think I mean? It's a cop out. I think it. I think he. I think he had. I think he had to pull his punches. I think Blue Camp compromised instead of uh, forcing. You know, to say that our political institutions can do these things. It doesn't have to be some nameless corporation. And I understand corporations, they want to make money. And I understand that a corporation would probably be pretty interested in getting some alien technology to take apart if they could. Um, but I just, I just don't see... I just don't well, see... Unless MNU had... I mean, I guess maybe if they had their claws deep enough in the South Africa, but they are called multinational United. So yeah, it could be yeah. other states uh, doing this. I mean, it could be, I mean, South Africa is not necessarily the strongest of countries and it could be other countries around the world forcing this corporation onto them. It, I don't know. It did. It didn't seem totally realistic. And just to get back from who's the villain again. I mean, the, I mean, I think it's a good idea to, Especially think about mercenaries and uh, not think of them as blood-hungry people. I mean, uh, there's a great... Um, did you ever read um, World War Z? Yeah, I read that. There's it's a great... One book. of the great stories so is about uh, a um, a mercenary who gets hired by a rich guy. Remember, this is the thing taking place in Long Island, the mansion in Long Island. Oh, I don't remember this, that this, story. this little bit. Oh, it's uh, on the on the on the uh, unabridged book. It's read by Henry Rollins. The, that storyline. Oh, it's really. Oh, I, wow. I don't know. I don't know if you listen to books on tape, but it'd almost no. be worth paying the sixteen dollars for that just to hear Henry Rollins uh, do the do the story, uh, read the story because all the stories are told from a person's point of view, right? They're like they're recounting person. them because that's yeah. all, that's all that's all format of the book. That's these interviews. Uh, it's a great storyline, and he talks about being a mercenary, and it's really interesting. Sort of humanizes well, mercenaries. Well, you know, I guess was it Cobus, the the main yeah. mercenary? Yeah, yeah, he's he's just the villain. I mean, you need yeah, the villain. He's I the villain. guess. I mean, it sort of gives a guy to go mano a mano with a uh, uh, Vilcus, but um, I don't know. It seems it, it seems like the enemy really is humanity in this movie. This movie has a really incredibly dismal view of people. Very. Oh negative. yeah, it's totally. a very. Right. Very cynical movie, extremely cynical, and I've sort of been trying to work on this thing. Is trying not to be cynical. God, this, yeah, good luck. It's hard. It's good hard not that. to be, but it's sort of really starting to sort of the cynicism. I think it's starting to sort of hurt me at sort of a fundamental level. And it seems like the happier people in the world are people who aren't cynical, no matter what evidence you have to point you to it. So I've sort of been really been more sensitive to cynical cynicism in people and more sensitive well, to it, and it's. It's so deep in this movie. It's so, so deeply. I just got to feel that Bloomcamp is incredibly, has a creative, incredibly poor opinion of people. Well, everybody in this, uh, yeah, every, 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 I guess, institution, uh, human institution is, is fundamentally um, the worst of the worst, right? Like even I the guess, Nigerians. But, but the, the people themselves, I mean, the interview people, I mean, I guess people have mixed opinions. I mean, there's like, um, 
God, what is the name of uh, the guy, like the subordinate guy to uh, Vickus, who ends up getting arrested at the end oh, of the film? Which yeah, is sort I of interesting. I guess that's a slight bit of light in there. But uh, go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, just like with the Nigerians and their voodoo, right? It even speaks mm-hmm. of the superstitious nonsense and the destructive nonsense that human beings endeavor in with regard to superstition. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I think if the stuff I find more reprehensible is basically getting back to those three guys sitting around Vicus. Wilkus. Vilkus. Vicus, or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, Vicus. Um, it, it, it just seems, it's, it's like Nazi, like, what was that, what was that Nazi doctor who liked to experiment oh, on twins? And what was that uh, Japanese doctors it was like section 11 or oh. something remember stories about that oh was would... that the whole rape of of nanking well no it was a whole special on like human experimentation that uh some sort of war department thing set up in imperial japan it's like i think there's a documentary Lovely. that's supposedly incredibly disturbing about it yeah uh, um i just i just it's, it's so terrible i mean i guess people do that but it's just it's worse with you, know, you can understand like some crazy guy cutting up people for fun, right? But the right. idea of an institution doing it, just incredibly disturbing. I guess maybe that's what it's meant to be. But well, it's because of the indifference, it. I think, is the horror. I mean, to me, horror uh, is indifference, right? I mean, that's true horror. Uh, yeah, they don't me. care it's, about it's, him. He's nothing but a, a a sample. I mean, he's less than a... They're doing worse things than you can get approved to do to fucking rats. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And mm, it's know. not they're not doing it out of some revenge element against Vickis. They're doing it out of an indifferent sort of mechanistic, um, you know, profit exploitative measure. Yeah. yeah I guess and, that, and to me, that makes Pete Smith the worst person in this movie. He's a pretty diabolical piece. He's of a shit. fucking bastard. Yeah. No, yeah, completely. Absolute, because and he doesn't uh, get killed. It's so sad. I, I would have liked well, to see that. Well, for starters, he 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 doesn't care about his daughter in any emotional capacity because she truly does love Vickis. And uh, well, he doesn't he like does, Vickis because Vickis is a no. He, he tru- she truly does. She truly loves. Yeah, yeah. But Vickis. he's put up with him because he's. But he, right. the father hates him because he's a competent individual a cold competent and vicus is a bit of a fuck up out vicus of his is a dollard yeah 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 and but she's but but she still loves him regardless you know and uh and he has absolutely nothing but contempt uh not only for him but her because he's completely uh you know doesn't care about her emotional health at all right mm-hmm. i mean yeah I, you know we're tearing apart your husband in uh, some lab somewhere, uh, nothing, right? So he's he's a pretty diabolical individual. Yeah, yeah, he's a bad. I'd you say can really so tell, than... you can really tell it at the surprise party. That yeah. is such a terrible scene. How people just are just fucking are so oblivious <laughs> to people's pain around them. It's so sad. And, and uh, he's probably the wor- worse than uh, the final villain, Cobus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think maybe Cobus or Kubus. Um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Pete's Pete's the worst. So uh, you're right. Uh, view of humanity in this film is atrocious. Um, in all capacity. 
and um, but in in Vicus, it's 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 pretty genuine. It's like the little bit of light, right? Because he does help Christopher out of you know personal reasons, which is a great play in the oh, film. Just Plot barely, wise. just barely. I mean, <coughs> Wickus is an asshole. He's a incompetent asshole, which is almost worse. Yeah, than Kubis. I mean, he's terrible. Pretty much the whole film, especially when he, especially when he betrays Christopher twice in this movie, it's tough to really oh, like yeah, him yeah, at the yeah. end. He's, right. I mean, only I mean maybe he's turned into a good character, but what what? Look at the crucible it took to turn him into somebody. No, good. I know. Yeah, it, it took was a... almost impossible. <clears throat> yeah, he had to basically um, start molting his human flesh in order to become more human. You know. Yeah, even even a... after all that, he was still running away from it. It's. I I don't know. I mean, I guess he's redeemed, but only through, uh, you know, just an incredible ordeal, which is fine. I guess does that lessen his redemption? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. It depends how you look at it. I think it's that time. As far as good goes, and I've sort of touched on it briefly, I love uh, the first, oh, God, it's about 25 minutes where they mix news footage, uh, interviews that happen post-fact of the movie with individuals, uh, and some sort of uh, handheld camera footage, right? For that, yeah, weather, the weather, mockumentary. Where they're sort of spinning up the story and introducing all the characters, basically all the way until uh, <clears throat> Wilkes comes back. Uh, Vilkas comes back to uh, from. Um, from their initial foray out to District Nine, just the way that's put together, it's it's really nicely edited. It's really, really nicely edited, and I don't know. I thought it was a, I thought it was a great, um, just a great little bit of film for as far as it's storytelling a, goes. It's a great, uh, <clears throat> it's a great backstory. It's a great way to do uh, exposition without making it you know, too heavy handed, I think. And it keeps it fresh because you see all these different standpoints. It's sort of a documentary like technique, Uh, but obviously not beholden to being strictly documentary. Like it, uh, there's shots that are only very tacitly supposed to be like lapel camera footage. Right. Right. Uh, But it sort of coaches itself with that, that documentary style of storytelling. And I think it, it does a great service to the film. Right. Um, good for me. I think it's it's a more uh, adolescent good. Uh, I, I love the hardware. I think um, for me, sci-fi hardware has always been, I think, uh, uh, my guilty pleasure. And uh, it's done so well. The production design is so amazing in District 9 with the weapons, like we mentioned. Uh, the exoskeletal uh, kind of mech that uh, uh, Wickes pilots i was kept thinking myself when when have i whenever seen like a decent mech deployed in a film that's good you know i couldn't think of one i couldn't think of even if it was a you know i we call them mechs i guess that's more of a fanboy type of description for a you know a piloted large robot but i was just like that i love that i love that mech scene i just loved the um you know mono a mono blowing shit up with that thing i just loved it i mean it's pretty yeah. great like when he grabs the rpg uh when he grabs uh like uh i love the scene where the mech finally <clears throat> is 
is getting near the end of its life and it's like vomiting out of its mouth. Yeah, it's and just when, like uh, and when it actually falls forward and uh, 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 Vicus comes out of it, it sort of falls into a, a clump and is becomes still. And I think they actually transition to a practical. They might transition to a practical. It's tough to tell if it's still the CG after that. It must still be. There's no way they would have put, it, put right. that in practically. But I uh, love the the way it goes oh, go still ahead. is just. It's just a beautiful scene. If you ever get a chance to look at that again, it's wonderfully animated. I love the um, ominous uh, spaceship hovering in the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's a real classic design. It's, it's, it feels like you have this gigantic thundercloud that's just hovering over the city all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, it it's does very have that ominous. Feeling. Yeah, yeah. That's and so when it moves. You know, the whole city gets excited because it's, you know, just been this total, I guess, literal cloud over the city mm-hmm. for so cloud. long. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, that's what it, it felt like. It felt like a piece of weather. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I mean, that must have been a, a storytelling idea that they had. I mean, that's, if not, it's, uh, I, th- I understand exactly what you mean, though. I hadn't put it into words before. Um, okay, so bad, Mr. Hudson. Well, it's funny that you should mention that. My bad is the ship uh, hanging Ooh, over the city. There you go. Um, not so much the element it represents, but I think you're dead on. Um, a sort of a sword hanging over the head of everybody. But it just doesn't make sense from a story standpoint. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, I mean, I'm with I mean you. if there really was the ship just hovering over a city. I mean, the <clears throat> even if a bunch of derelict aliens came pouring out of it and you had to shack them up in a slum, that ship would be the prize of the world. They would have built a fucking superstructure around that ship just so they could no, tear it apart. They had yeah. 28 years. They waited eight years to open it up after it landed, and then they didn't touch the fucking thing for another uh, right. Like, Like, why don't we try to build like a Burj Khalifa? At least up to the bottom rung. And then I, yeah. we could just take an elevator up to the goddamn thing and hang out in it. For Obviously, all, they right? could go inside of it. I thought the way they cut the hall was really fascinating. You can tell they drilled like these four-foot holes. And then they took... Did you, do you remember seeing that when they... At the beginning? Of, yeah. And they sort of Barely take out this remember. plug that's uh, like these ring... That's really It's really nicely done. Um, sort of reminds me of sort of the beginning of... Um, Aliens, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. rescue uh, Ridley. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it's it doesn't make any sense that thing. If if these fucking alien weapons, I mean, the idea that there's alien weapons just sitting on the ground, right, sitting around like some Nigerians' place, that yeah. is crazy. That would that every little piece would be so incredibly valuable. Every country, every scientific group in the world would be tearing those fucking things apart, including the ship. There's no way they would just hang there for years. It's just... I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> That's actually my bad, too, is the plot holes. I mean, just the technology have it hang, hang there for years. Would right. be, people would go crazy because they'd want to figure out how that would work. Right. The plot holes are extensive, and they're sort of tried to be, they're tried to swept, be, they're tried as best as they, it's not coming out right. <clears throat> Neil Bloomcamp tried to sweep them under the rug as best as he could. Um, but they're, they're obvious. Like for starters, like you said, <clears throat> there's all this exotic weaponry laying around a slum. And 
there's creatures that have the means to use it. Is that correct? Yeah. Any one of these. Yeah. I mean, I look, I mean, I don't find that quite as, I mean, <clears throat> the violence, I don't I mean, what would you do? You, there's be, there's some practical instances. I mean, practically, I think the film treated it pretty well that what do you, what would you do with a million alien refugees? You, you do what you do the best you could, right? Right. Which ended right. up being a slum. So I understand <laughs> that uh, <clears throat> they were doing the best and there's violence and stuff, but it seems like things, things were still such a mess after 20 years. Well, I mean, there's some, where, few, all, these, where uh, were all these weapons coming from? Well, and why did they weren't bring they them from used? the ship with them? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't make much sense. That that doesn't make much. Yeah. sense. I understand the violence stuff, but yeah, but all the technology, like the mechs, how did they get down there? It doesn't even make any sense. Um, you know, uh, I mean, if we're looking for plot holes, there's like, why does everybody understand the prawn language and the prawns right. can't speak English? It's all right. right. I don't mind. You you really sort of have to. That's sort of something just for just functionally. It would be a pain in the ass to address that. That's all right. That's kind of forgiven. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, that, that bugged me, that ship. God, that ship would be such a prize. Well, the other thing was, um, okay, so Christopher is a technocrat. He's obviously like the pilot of of that ship. The thing would be is like, okay, it shows up. <clears throat> you know, if, if, if there was some sort of diplomatic, um, uh, I guess, interaction with, with the, you know, <clears throat> I guess the lower class, aliens and you would wonder is there a pilot is there a technocrat is there an engineer aboard this ship of some capacity you would ask that amongst a population of a million let's even assume it was like a slave ship um but i think it's the only ship it's like a i don't know and you would say you would get a christopher uh coming up and you know uh, you would interact with them and you would say, what do you want? Well, we want, we need to be resupplied and then we'll leave, right? I mean, wouldn't that be kind of the, uh, uh, and, and instead you get sort of this clandestine story where he's acquiring this fluid slowly for decades <clears throat> to get enough energy to get the ship out of Earth's atmosphere and, and get it going home. But why isn't that, I guess, a public policy? Well, I think, I think I think this is this is something I find interesting about this film, and I think it's a a point that Bloomkamp's trying to make. So, <clears throat> when we're introduced in this first twenty five minutes of the film, uh, the people, the intelligent people that they're interviewing, that are talking about uh, the aliens, there's a guy and a woman that look like they're pretty educated people talking about. Uh, about the aliens they say that oh we found them and they they all seem to be some sort of worker cast and they uh, yeah, didn't have right. any um they didn't have any i don't know like uh executive planning abilities or uh um, initiative on their own and uh, they were just sort of uh dumb and violent and you know i i personally i think that um that's meant to be a type of racism that's oh, uh, that's right. been uh, that's been put upon the aliens. The truth that they're not necessarily a worker class. I don't think they are. They're classified as that. They're these desperate, desperate malnourished beings that we find. 
And right. but in fact, they've just been ghettoized over these 20 years. And we just think of them as trash. They're the trash of this great alien civilization, like we would think of any other ghettoized group of people, that they're not as good as everybody else, that there must be somebody smarter who leads them. And the thing is, I don't think that's the case. Uh, that's just what everybody all the way from the bottom to the top of human society believe. And then in the case of Christopher, he's a, just an example of the problem of being put into that category that uh, one of the main reasons these aliens are living in the slum is just because they really don't have any other choice. There's not much else they can do. Uh, they've been ghettoized. They've been marginalized. They've been made worthless and they continue to be worthless so because how come there's they're not believed more of to a, be worthless. So if that's the case, how come there's not more of a conspiracy other than just Christopher and his son? I mean, maybe there are other conspiracies. Maybe there is work. Well, how, I mean, I guess he was working with another another alien. Remember, he had that that he had that kind of a um, oh uh, co-conspirator that was killed, and uh, yeah, that I was mean, helping him at the look, beginning. Why do all the poor black kids don't just pull themselves out of the inner city? Bootstrap. All they have to do is work hard enough. And be smart That's enough. Right. You know, the problem is they're just not smart as everybody else. They're lazy and dumb and thought. violent. Interesting no, and thought. that's exactly what's happening with these. And I think it's part of the. I think it's meant to be part of the film, though it's a subtle element of the film. Yeah, it's actually a good point. I mean, it's 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 definitely like if a um, seven forty seven crash landed, let's say in a remote part of the world that was that was still remote and still had like a <clears throat> the 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 a bunch of uh i guess first worlders pouring out of it would be wouldn't be worth a shit in another culture yeah. in another you know what i mean yeah they're not going to go uh, build a 747 in their shack where you give them uh the scraps and garbage right, of your world right. to eat on yeah right and and they're not going to be able to survive in any sort of they'll just be know, desperate desperate hand to mouth people scratching trying to scratch out existence yeah even though they may have been a technocrat in a former life mm -hmm. they'll be worth they won't be worth a shit in uh in a new you know i guess literally alien world yep. they just they're, they're, and so you maybe you're right maybe that's uh um if you have like christopher who may have been the pilot of that ship who might have been the 747 pilot he might have, and yeah. engineer um, but he may, you know, that that doesn't necessarily lend to the fact that they're all like that, even though it's their own technology, right? Yeah, yeah they're all starving. Maybe they've so, been driven mad. <clears throat> An interesting idea. Never thought about that. But the plot holes to me, I guess, would be the bad and the ugly because they're just so huge. And the 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 fact that the weapons are all laying around, why don't the aliens pr use them like like Wiccas, you know, Wiccas almost has like a, a superhero hero capability. You know, he's able to uh, defeat huge numbers of mercenaries with one weapon. Why couldn't an alien do the same thing? Well, there have been uprisings in the past, and they're put down with an iron fist. Yeah, but man. Wiccas has nothing one. to lose. Maybe you're right. I mean, right. and plus, you know, maybe he's been enfranchised by society that he should take things that he believes are his not you know i think you get sort of accustomed to living under the boot heel 
when you're put under it long enough. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they're going around killing your children indiscriminately. Oh, man, that scene. Jesus Christ. They're at the beginning, the one you played. I mean, mm-hmm. and then they set the whole thing on fire, and I, that's just kind of a gross scene. It's, it's, uh, I think it's gross because of Vickus's uh, commentary. His indifference right? to it, yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre and, and, and disgusting, and uh, you obviously make the correlation to what if it was a, you know, human babies that he was doing that to, and uh, maybe it's a little um, heavy-handed, but it definitely gets the point across. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have anything else for Good, Bad, and the Ugly, do you? Um, no, my ugly is a minor point. Let's skip it and move right into the review. Ebert reviewed District 9 in uh, 2009, gave it three out of four stars. Um, Strangely, his review reads... Like a two star. More like a two and a half. Yeah, I'm surprised. Um, And if anything, I really thought Ebert would see the same insight um, into the plight of the refugees. But in, in, in a way, he seems blind to it. And I'm surprised from some guy who's such a bleeding heart that he wouldn't, just like, they uh... wouldn't feel more for the aliens. Um, well, he starts out saying that uh, the aliens benefit from a humanitarian impulse to reclo- uh, relocate them to the ground. But what, what were they supposed to do with those aliens? Was it some great gift to take these starving beings and, and feed them? Is that something that's uh... beyond? Is that something that most people wouldn't do? I, I I mean even the most uh, uh, I guess uh, what would be the right word uh, roguish of nations uh, who has the capacity uh, will take in refugees from a neighboring war torn you know nation. Yeah, I mean it's not like South Africa is Australia. Zing to all our, our Australian yeah. listeners. Yeah, that's right. No offense. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. You know, I mean, what else are you gonna do? Um, <clears throat> he says the movie, the beginning of the movie, takes the form of a mockumentary, which I, I cannot disagree more with that term. And he uses it. A couple oh, that's more what times. I said. Oh, really? I disagree. Mockumentary is a comedy. No, 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 no. Yes, yes. yes a mockumentary yes. is a faux documentary. Like uh, I would say, a Blair Witch Project is a faux, is a mockumentary. I have never heard that word construed to have that broad of a meaning. No, maybe you're right. Now that I think about it, you're right because mock is is a comedic element, right? I mean, you could really, if you want to get it to its roots, you could go either way. Really, it could a uh, mock is just something well, that uh, apes something else. Yeah, it doesn't have to be I, comedy, I, I, but I don't think it's used this way. Well, I forgive him. I forgive him that. I, I get what he's saying. Um. <clears throat> pseudo documentary and he says uh and he talks about sort of the plot he says uh talking about uh uh vicus uh his partnership with the only alien who behaves intelligently and reveals we dare say human emotions i'm surprised he didn't try to expand that to all the aliens he really yeah that's another thing i'm surprised about Mark's that. calling him out and here he goes the alien is named christopher johnson yes christopher johnson um so what i mean 
that is such an obvious idea if you take a refugee and you give them your own name it's the slave name idea yeah right. it's a total take on that i mean is, right. he, is he saying that it's like yeah they really they used the slave name method they went that they went there i see him making fake oh is quotes. that what he's going on about yeah is that really yeah. the 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 well what else does he mean there that oh you're surprised can you believe this aliens named christopher johnson well how's that how about that howdy no. i mean i mean i don't know I'm just okay. surprised he didn't make a comment on it. Um, maybe he's saying it's so it's so obviously it's so obvious it's stupid that they did it. I don't think I don't think that's the case. Um, well, I mean, it's <clears> just a, it's it's a utility, right? It's just a simple utility. Well, it's it's something you do is to uh, force force integrate people into societies. Yeah, it's a common no, technique. I, I you throw it. away your own old name. Right. Um, Let's see here. Uh, he talks about a parallel with something called a incident called District Six, and actually, actually ca- took place in Cape Town, yeah. where they relocated a bunch of uh, black Afrikaners, I guess, black South Africans. Which I yeah, I don't know anything about because you know, <clears throat> I don't know something about. Um, you um, just don't read enough Oprah Book Club. That's your problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. It's too bad. It sounds interesting. Um, and, but I didn't realize it was, there was something that's exactly, they actually cribbed that name from the exact same thing happening to black South Africans at one time. Uh, seems, uh, yeah. I mean, it almost makes it more sad that it wasn't the South African, like a post-apartheid South African government doing. Well, I don't think they could make it the government of South Africa. That's why MNU was used because they're like, it, it would be, um, they needed to disassociate it. You, you couldn't. Uh, vilify the South African government in a movie like this. You just it, it needed to be an, an, a third party, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's because it it Neil Bloomkamp or whoever understands the uh, especially here in America the lack of history of most of the world, right? And and so you'd probably if you went and pulled a bunch of dimwits on the street, if you did some jaywalking on the street. Uh, I bet you you would find a, a a a pretty high percentage of people would say, um, you know, apartheid in South Africa, agree or disagree? And they're like, yeah, well, apartheid. I mean, it's or is you know, should we should we not deal with South Africa due to apartheid? I bet you people still don't understand it, don't even know that it's not there anymore. You know what I mean? And and so you wouldn't want to encourage that. Idea. And that's our Jay Leno reference of the week. There you go. Um, I don't see how that has anything to do with Bloomkamp pulling his punch. But uh, well, I just don't think you want to. He didn't need to indict the South African government for this film. Well, it, I think it's, it was, it's, I think it, having the South African it be the government that does it, I think would be more plausible and more biting because I think it's governments yeah. that would be more likely to do these things, not <laughs> multinationals, though they may I, be contracted to do some aspects of it. I, I, I forgive it. I forgive it. Uh, the, I do it, not. It, I do not. You think it should have been the South African Abs- government? Absolutely. Absolutely. The reformed South African government that's done away with apartheid. It doesn't have to. Based- you don't have to be making a comment about where do these terrible things happen? I mean, where does the impetus to treat refugees poorly come from? It doesn't come from companies trying to turn a profit. No, I'm, it comes I'm from with the you. inherent 
problems with political systems with humans. Um, he does give a little bit of lift service to refugees, saying that there's a harsh parable here about alienation and the treatment of refugees. But he doesn't say anything else, really. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I say, he said about the aliens, I, I said they're loathsome and disgusting, and I don't think that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it's got those... It's a weird review. Those prawns. I got, he just really seemed to miss it, man. He was like staring right at him, and he just couldn't see it. Even well, though he I mean, says it. his complaint that it's too heavy-handed with its its morality? Oh, he says that he doesn't think the audience can really feel for these refugees because they're not humans. I mean... Uh, that's the point. I mean, that's the point of the film, is to empathize... <laughs> With, with somebody that's different from you, that is completely fucking different with it, with a, with a living being that isn't a human being, yeah, and uh, and that's the purpose of it in the film. Yeah, I mean, the, plus people have categorized refugees as not being human in the past. That's oh, a way uh, that people deal with it. That's why yeah, there are read, aliens in this fucking movie, and he fucking read, didn't uh, see it. Read H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's the the horror at Red Hook. Yeah, and, I don't think uh, I've read that one. Um, if you want to see how dehumanizing uh, Americans were towards uh, recent immigrants, go read some H.P. Lovecraft. Hmm. And uh, he was a he was a well known racist son of a he bitch, was an right? Unapologetic racist. Back in and, the day uh, when that was how you, that was the best way to integrate with polite society. Well, I mean, you know, we always like to say, well, you know, he's a man of his time. He's a man of his time. I mean, and, okay. that's true. Yeah. I think you got to take it. Does that mean it doesn't mean you're not a bastard? No, you can be a bastard, and you can also be a great fucking writer. Yeah. Uh, but he was a horrible, uh, unapologetic racist, <laughs> especially towards immig- immigrants. Those and, Irish. Uh, can you believe them? What's that? Those Irish. I don't even think. I mean, he. It's weird when you read his stuff. Um, well, well, you read. Uh, did you read? Re- did you read Reanimator? Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I read the about, Oh yeah, he talks about the black people. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. He's, he's horrible. I sort of but, read it in the parlance at the time. But again, it's nothing that's outside of the human condition, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. it's something that's I, I don't understand Ebert here. I thought he really his heart would go out to the aliens, and it doesn't. It's just really disappointing. It shows that people. It's tough to. It's easy. I don't know. It's tough to empathize. Well, he it's says, he says uh, um, the effect of humanizing them is achieved uh, by giving them, uh, you know. Human body language and big eyes. And, and big, they, and wet that's eyes. that's true. They did. And that's one of the great things. I mean, that's one of the things they had to do. I mean, it would have been even harder if they were more inhuman. And I'm not saying that wouldn't, that would be good or bad. I mean, it's a conceit they made to try to get through to the less insightful members of the audience. Right. Um, but it, 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 to me, it's, it's, it's way more effective than fucking ET. You know what I mean? I, 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 hmm. well, I haven't thought about I, ET for a while. I, but, I uh, ET. Oh, really? I, I, I always liked that penis breath comment. That always cracked me up as a kid. Oh, Jesus Christ. I did like the fact that they were playing Dungeons and Dragons at the beginning. I did like that. So <coughs> anyway, I, I, the, the reviews, Really weird and, and, and dispassionate for uh, a for three Ebert. star. Yeah. It's, well, next time, next odd. time Ebert starts bleeding hard about some 
minor bullshit aspect of society. I'm going to remember this review. <laughs> he must have yeah. been off the sauce that day and really wanting it or something. I don't know. It's like he was uh, he was sitting there uh, <clears throat> drinking old scotch with uh, Thomas Friedman and David Brooks from the uh, New York Times or something. I mean, it's just it's really a, it's a weird perspective. Maybe his wife was out of town and he wasn't reminded of the struggle of the African-American. I don't know. I don't know. Milk toast review, though. Not much meat on the bones. So... Uh, anything else about District 9, Mr. Hudson? Uh, no, I, as I, I said, guess, it's, uh, a, it's a wonderful bit of sci-fi followed up by an awesome action movie. Uh, and, and he derides the action. That's another thing. He, he does. He, he knocks about. the action. I, I don't understand this. He guy. says the action just turns into your old typical space opera. And I was like, well, no, Ebert. I mean, it has, it does. And it's a great, it's, it's it has, con- the actions have consequence that you're invested in the story at least enough, right? I mean, each one of the characters has... I mean, that's a great part about action. I hate action without consequence. And District 9, its action has has definite consequence. And you're definitely curious. Is is Vickis going to, you know, get the uh, goo to turn himself back into a human? Is... Uh, yeah, know, and it has betrayals. And it moves yeah. fast and changes locations. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't understand how he gave it... How he came out with three stars after that review doesn't make any sense. It's sort of a dick move. You know, one thing we had said, uh, if you you wanted one more thing, is uh, Copley. It was a great performance. Oh, uh, as Vickis? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's incredible, Mm -hmm. actually, in this. He's really uh, good. I don't know if I've seen him in much anything else. uh, You've seen him in Elysium. I didn't see Elysium. uh, I'm not going to watch that piece of shit. All right. (laughs) They put the extra Uh, skeleton... Over his T-shirt. That yeah, doesn't even make any sense. That doesn't make much sense, does it? I know. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was watching that movie. I was very curious about the state of antibiotics in the far future. I was like, uh, you know, can you just, like, can you just, like, drill through human flesh and bone and, uh, you know, ratchet in a, a lug? Uh, I mean, uh, you can. Yeah. I, I mean, can you do it and like have it not turn into a gigantic? festering hideous wound yeah especially when you're doing the operation in a dirty kitchen of somebody's slum oh no not then yeah so i don't know <coughs> uh, <coughs> elysium has its problems i i did like it because uh the whole idea of elysium uh is something that uh i an idea i had I wouldn't say I'd come up beforehand. Come up with beforehand before seeing the movie. Look, the the the, the, the listeners have already read your book, Matt. I know. Uh, never mind. But I, I, my my uh, idea was to put, I guess, a um, Islamic state, as if you will, in in sort of a uh, uh, geosynchronous orbit like Elysium. Uh, oh, was Elysium? Did a, Elysium use a uh, a lift? A space elevator? No, they didn't use a lift. I I, I used the elevator. Yeah, uh, they used improbable shuttlecraft that uh, had enough power just to leap out of the Earth's atmosphere and fly up to a giant Taurus. But it's I a lot easier to ride in. Uh, it is much more comfortable. It's like Uber. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I did like that because it was something that I came up with in a book, and it was kind of a fun idea. And uh, uh, actually. Besides the logistical improbability, uh, physically, 
could have, uh, you could actually create a environment like that, you know, like the giant spinning Taurus that everybody lived inside of. So it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That, that's about it. That's about all that movie was good for. All right. Sadly. Well, it's been Elysium this week. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, Elysium was a good movie. All right. <clears throat> all right. So uh, are we done with District 9? Got anything I'm else? done with it. Uh, next week. Uh, it's going to be a long one, kids. Uh, we're going to be doing, uh, I'd call it a cult movie. I, I I love this film as a kid, and I'm trying to understand why I loved it so much. Well, I, I remember was, as a kid going, what's all this deal with this movie about a boot? <laughs> about a boot, yeah. The boot. The Doc Martin boot. The boot. The, the history of Doc Martens. Yeah, right. Uh, I, think, I, I think I liked it because... It it was a it it's sort of a how it was, but like from a technical perspective, mm-hmm. like how you know would a submarine actually pursue a convoy? How does it dive? What's happening when it dives? You know all this sort of uh, uh, submarine warfare business. That's uh, I don't know for a kid. I just like I always liked cross sections of. Uh, ships like books that had like cross sections of ships in it you know Mm -hmm. showed me where like the engine room was and the bridge and the cargo holds well dos boots sort of gives you that cross section because it's such a one-dimensional ship you know it's just like there's this giant tube and everybody lives in it and so it's it's i don't know it's very uh when you watch the movie you know exactly where everything is in 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 the in the the u-boat you know because it lays it out for you beautifully and so watching it you're completely oriented in every scene and uh it's i don't know it's hard to describe plus it's Uh, all guys it's all dudes man in a can there is one chick at the beginning oh Uh, oh. she's she's in the uh bar scene yeah it's uh my it's been many a year since i've seen this film yeah i used to watch the shit out of it and it's a long movie too so it's a cult movie for me. I don't we're know doing if it's the, actual. We're doing the three-and-a-half-hour director's cut in case anybody want to watch along on that. Yeah, or you can watch the two-plus-hour two non-director's cut, whatever. Let's, hey, why don't uh, we watch both of them and compare and contrast? It's a good idea. I got a good 10 hours with nothing to do. All right, so uh, next week is the German war classic uh, Das Boot, uh, and until then. <laughs>